Hey Logo Geeks, it's Ian Padgett here and this week I'm joined by Mark DeCoats to talk about his niche design business, Podcast Branding. But first I want to thank the sponsor of this episode, Webflow. I've been a designer for almost 15 years and over that time there have been tools that help designers build websites. But if you don't know code, it's been tricky to do exactly what you want without the help from a developer. But Webflow is the first tool that's really changed that. You can design your website within a visual interface, allowing you to build completely custom designs, including all the breakpoints, say for desktop, tablet, mobile, and so on, without worrying about writing a single line of code. And not only can you make your designs look great, but the code that's generated from Webflow is also clean, semantic, and developer-friendly. And if you're into SEO like I am, that is really important. And for that reason, I've actually started to completely rebuild my WordPress website using Webflow. My site has hundreds of pages, so I've been really reluctant to redesign my site for a long time as it would have been a huge task. But thanks to the Webflow plugin for WordPress, I've actually been able to design and replace a page at a time. And that's been a real game changer for me as I've finally been able to build the site the way that I want it without the need of a developer. So I recommend that you go and check out Webflow for yourself and you can do that by heading to wfl.io forward slash logo geek and for the first 50 who use the promo code logo geek you'll be able to get 10% off any new annual plan. So if you're a fan of design podcasts and I hope that you are because you're listening to this now you will likely have come across the resourceful designer podcast. It's been one of my favorite shows for a number of years, so I'm honored to be joined today by the host of that show, Mark DeCote, who I'm happy to say has become a friend over the years. If you don't already know about Mark's show, Resourceful Designer, I highly recommend that you go and check it out. Mark's got years of experience under his belt as a designer and a business owner, so the show is full of actionable advice for designers of any level. So do make sure that you go and check that out. Aside from being a podcast host, Mark also runs his own design studio. But the key thing I was really keen to discuss in this interview is Mark's niche design website, podcastbranding.co, which is something he started just over a year ago. In the design space, a real hot topic for a long time has been the concept of niching down. It's something I've spoken about a few times on this podcast and Mark's site is a great case study on how to do this very well. It shows a real understanding of his target audience. It shows how you can use content marketing to your advantage with fairly quick results. And it shows how you can build systems within your business too to streamline the design process. It's an example that I feel anyone can replicate for pretty much any industry. So I hope this episode will be really useful and inspiring for you too. So to discuss podcast branding and the power of niching down, I introduce you to Mark DeCoats. So most people listening, if they're already aware of you, they'd be aware of the Resourceful Designer podcast. Uh, but if they do listen to that, they'll also be aware that you run your own business called Podcast Branding. And that was something I really wanted to talk about because on the podcast, we've spoken a couple of times about niching down and I've seen a handful of people in the design space do it really well. And um, this is one of the better examples that I've seen because you really honed it down. So as an opening question uh, for this, 
why did you choose to go down the route of podcast branding and create podcastbranding.co, which is your company website? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast, Ian. Um, in all honesty, I didn't choose that niche. It chose me. Uh, as you're aware, I've been podcasting since 2013, uh, Resourceful Designer, my graphic design-related podcast where I help people run and operate a graphic design business. I've been running that one since 2015. And part of being a podcaster, I attended podcast conference. Uh, I wanted to grow as a podcaster, learn more. So I started attending these conferences and just generically through that, when people would find out, oh, you're a designer, uh, could you maybe help me out with this? So I started here and there doing podcast artwork for people or helping them with their website because my background is both graphic and web design. I've been doing this uh, for 30 years. And just for a couple of years, I was doing some artwork for people and helping uh, with their websites. And it just started picking up a little bit. But I was always known as, oh, you need a designer? Well, there's you know this person, this person, this person, and Mark Decote. These They're all graphic designers who can help you. And I didn't like being grouped with all these people like that because a lot of people were just saying that they had a designer they knew or a friend that can help. And I wanted to be known more than that. So I, I do have another graphic design business that I run. I've been running it for 15 years now, but I decided to make that part, the podcast branding part, official. And I bought the domain. Uh, I set out to uh, create a, an identity for myself in the podcast space. So when I, I used to go to the podcast conferences uh, representing Resourceful Designer, my podcast, now, when I go to a podcast conference, I go there representing podcast branding. It just so happens that I also have a podcast. And that really helped me to gain a foothold. Um, it allowed me to gain traction on all these other designers because now it, it, all it took was creating the brand, podcast branding. And now all of a sudden, people view me as a specialist in podcast branding. And I, I thought that was amazing because now when people share my name, they're not sharing my name along with a bunch of other people. They're just sharing me alone. And that has given me a lot of traction to grow. And podcast branding has only been around for just a little bit over a year uh, officially, even though I've been designing in the podcast space for going on five years now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm really into the whole niching thing, and I'm surprised that I haven't yet taken it further I, I know that I am specializing in logo design but I think even that is quite broad um, ironically I was having a conversation about this with a, a group of people only a couple of days ago and uh, there was someone within the group that was just starting out and um, I suggested to them to pick a, a niche and, and really focus on that and uh, there was someone in the group that did actually say Ian do you not think that branding in itself is niche enough and I was thinking if you're already bringing in enough work as more of a generalist um, uh, I, I think you'll probably be okay but if you're just starting out I think niching down is so important now because uh, the landscape for graphic designers that there's so many of us out there all competing for the same things but choosing a niche or, or allowing a niche to find you in the way that you did, I think that's definitely the uh, right way to go. Well, it, it helps uh, create an identity for yourself. As I mentioned earlier, now when people talk about me, they don't just say Mark's a graphic designer that can help you. They say Mark is a graphic designer who specializes in podcast branding. And that just, it, uh, nothing special about me. I didn't do anything different than I was doing for the past five years, except I created that brand around myself saying that this is my niche. It's just like, uh, you know, our mutual friend, uh, Craig Burton, who has uh, School Branding Matters. He's an amazing graphic designer who specializes in branding schools. So if somebody out there in the education system is looking for something, it, automatically they're going to be drawn towards Craig because that's what he does. He brands schools as opposed to a general graphic designer who may be equally, if maybe even more qualified than Craig, 
the person is still going to go towards Craig because that's his specialty. Mm-hmm. And that's the power of niching. And uh, it, it's something, as I said, this niche found me. I have a passion for podcasting. I've been doing it uh, for a, quite a few years now. I love podcasting and it just evolved naturally. And that's the one thing about niching is you have to have a passion for that niche because otherwise you are going to get very tired of always working on the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. And uh, Craig is always an example that I use because like I said, in the graphic design space, there are actually not that many graphic designers that have specialized on a, a very specific niche. And that's why I wanted to talk about it with, with you because I think this is a really good case study that that you've uh, built. Craig is another really good case study because e- even if you know if, if if I get an inquiry about a school, sometimes I think you know I should just send this over to Craig exactly and <laughs> and give him work away you know um, but that is the power of uh, being known for a, a specific niche even amongst your uh, potential com- competitors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I wanted to go into your website because I think, again, this is a really good case study of how to do it right. So I went on your website and it's really simple. It's easy to understand. So you've got clearly defined services. You've got a um, a section for advice and um, an, an order page. And, and that's it. Just pretty much three sections on on, uh, on the entire website. Would you mind sharing with us why you chose to structure the website in that way? Because I think it's a nice example for people to look at. Well, the, the, one of the reasons I decided to structure it like this, Ian, is I decided, and I know this is going to be a little controversial uh, when it comes into the whole design space, I specifically built podcastbranding.co as a product and not a service. So... I wanted it to be simple. I wanted people to go there, decide if they wanted it, and if they did, buy it. I didn't want there to be the whole back and forth process like normally, like with my other design business, which is Marksman Design is the the name of my other business. With Marksman Design, when a client contacts me, there's, you know, the whole discovery, there's going back and forth, there's uh, the pitch, there's trying to come up with a proper quote for the, the project. I didn't want any of that. This was podcast branding was going to be my side business. Now, little did I know that I'm now I'm now busier with podcast branding than I am with Marksman Design. But it started off as a side business. So I created it as if it's a product where people can just go to the site, see what they want to buy, click order, place the order, and very little interaction with me. All the information they need is on the site. And I usually get notified after they've already paid me. And that was one of the things I, I love about setting this up. And it's, it's so far, it's working out really well for me. Amazing, amazing. I, I did want to actually ask you about the ability to order and pay via the website, because again, that's something that I've uh, very rarely seen on a graphic designer's website. So just so that people can understand, uh, like I said, there's basically uh, two sections on the website, a section for services, a section for information and and advice, and then basically this order page. And that order page, uh, it's it's not like what you would expect, like uh, some kind of inquiry form or, or standard inquiry form. In this case, you actually tick what you want <laughs> and pay for it on the website like there there is no back and forth sales process you know all the usual stuff that you would expect uh with a a stereotypical graphic design service because you have positioned it as a product it's like you said it's just quick and easy and and effortless so the ability to pay online you kind of answered that question already but why did you do that rather than the usual things i know you can you can create a product but why why have you chosen to do like fixed prices and the ability to order online well one of the reasons was uh and and i'm gonna get a little stereotypical of podcasters most podcasters don't have a lot of money to invest in podcasting a lot of podcasters start off a podcast as a hobby so uh they're not doing it and and that's uh, i'm again stereotyping here or or pigeonholing some people here a lot of businesses do start podcasts and a lot of my clients are businesses. But 
I looked out at other services. I'm not the only one who creates podcast artwork. Uh, as far as I know, I'm one of the more expensive ones. Uh, so there's a lot of people out there that are offering artwork for $50, $60 for podcast artwork. I'm charging $300 for podcast artwork. And uh, a lot of designers would think, well, wow, like, you know, that's really cheap. And in essence, it is. But I, I've been doing it long enough that it doesn't take a lot of time. I could usually crank out a, a good podcast artwork for somebody in an hour or two. And if I'm getting paid $300, that's a good return. Uh, the odd one that takes a lot more time, I might lose a little bit of money. But for the ones that I create one design, they absolutely love it. That's it. We're, we're done. Uh, it, it all balances it out. But the other reason I did this is this, again, started off as a side gig. And I didn't want to have to devote all the back and forth and stuff to it. I wanted people, if they wanted to hire me, they needed to know right away. And they went to the website. If they like what they saw on the website, and that's what most people, I always ask people um, whenever I talk to them, because uh, that's one of the selling features that I, I offer is I insist on getting on a video chat with every client I work for. I, I don't, I'm not like a, a Fiverr designer or some of these other ones where you just, you know, give me the name of your podcast, tell me what you want and I'll do it. No, these are people coming to me because they're looking for a designer. They're looking for a quote unquote specialist and they're trying to come up with something that represents themselves, but they don't often know what that is. So that's where the whole designer part comes in. So I insist on getting on a chat with them. Uh, I also offer uh, multiple options, unlike you know different platforms where you tell them what you want as podcast artwork, they will give you one design and that's it. You know, you paid me $50. Here's your artwork. There you go. No, I will offer two or three different designs for, to them. And if they want revisions, I don't limit the number of revisions I do. But even with all of that, and I know a lot of people uh, in the design space would go, Ooh, unlimited revisions. Oh, my, oh no. Oh no. In all the time I've been doing podcast artwork, I've had very, very few people that have come back with multiple revisions. Usually it's one or two minor things and then we're done. So the whole purpose behind the way I built podcast branding was I wanted to build a, um, call it a funnel, get these different places that would recommend me. And I didn't want to have to deal with all these people answer questions on a regular basis. So they go to the website, they see what they want. If they decide to purchase if they decide that they can afford my price, then they make the purchase. If they can't, then I never hear from them. And that's fine with me as well. What, what it sounds like is that you've basically built a, a productized, systematized business. And I, I've spoken on the podcasts uh, a couple of times about this. And uh, this this is another thing that I really like and and uh, try to push with the podcast because I, I've found especially since working for myself full time anywhere where you can repeat the same system process use template emails template documents anything like that to speed up the the process the the more efficient you can be when it comes to work because and this sounds obvious but I've really noticed that as an independent graphic designer, the only time you actually make money, and that's ultimately the thing that most people kind of want to aim for to, to make some kind of income from this. I make it at the start of a project. And then once the project's complete, everything else in between doesn't make any money as such. I know that's the product, but mm -hmm. the uh, faster and more efficient I can do that, uh, whilst keeping the the quality high, the better. And I, I've seen the uh, most effective way of doing that is to pretty much systematize it in, in a way that you have done. And um, I think that's why it's working so well for you in comparison to, you know, those cases where um, if, say, and I'm going to give an example of something that I worked on this year, one of my main products is logo design service and that's all very much systematized i've got templates for everything so working through a project is relatively easy i know how long it's going to take um, i can predict um, my income over a length of time but 
Uh, there's been a couple of projects this year that I've taken on. One was with a client creating this map. And that was an awesome project and the uh, client paid well, but <laughs> everything throughout the entire process from working out initially what it was that they needed, scoping it out, putting proposal documents together, everything was all new and none of that I can use again. <laughs> yeah. I, I know a a putting a contract together is kind of, you know, you need that, but I can never use that again. But anytime I offer a repeatable service, which you are with this, all of that you can use again. I'm sure you could easily document this. And if you ever even wanted to sell the company, it's easy to lift all of that documentation process and give it to someone else and yeah. they can continue what, what you built. And I, I think as graphic designers, we should almost aim to build assets for ourselves in the way that you have done so that we can quickly and easily offer a service but then at a later date you know if you if you got to a point where you wanted to retire or you wanted to do something else or or, or whatever situation happens it's a very sellable business as well <laughs> yeah now i don't want um people to think that the whole thing like i, I first of all i agree with you in mm -hmm. but first of all when you're talking templates my podcast artworks are not templates. They're all custom designed. I don't base everything on a template there. But yes, I do have systems in place for mm -hmm. everything. Um, and I love the other part that you were talking about. Uh, as I said, in my other business, Marksman Design, I do that on a regular basis where I go in, I have the, the, the four-hour discovery meetings with clients and coming up with pitches and figuring out the the quote based on value and, and that sort of stuff. And, and I love going into a client and saying, here, you know, we complete, complete this project. It's going to cost you $20,000. Like that's an amazing feeling, especially when the client says yes. But this part of it, again, um, it's more systematized. I do have templates for like uh, one of the services we've talked about podcast artwork. I offer websites for podcasters. Well, the website is a template. I have the entire website pre-built. All I need to do is, what's the name of your podcast? Uh, what, you know, I look at your color palette. I, you provide me the copy. You provide me the images. But the website itself is already pre-built. So uh, I've, built, I've created it in a way that if somebody hires me to do a website, and that's why I charge uh, $1,200 for a website, as opposed to doing a custom website for $5,000, I charge $1,200 because I can take that website, take the content you give me, and I can have a website up and running in four hours because I've got everything pre-built. If somebody orders a website from me, I just take the pre-built website, upload it to the web host, populate it with your content, change the colors, change the font, and, that, and within four hours, you've got an operating website. So that's part of the whole systems that you're talking about. And that mm -hmm. works out really, really well for me because people get to, uh, they, they know what they're going to get beforehand. Uh, we do talk about the whole process and how it's going to be customizable. So even though I'm building it on a template, it's, it's all built on in WordPress, even though it's built on a template, one person's website will not look like the other person will not look like the person's before that. It might have the same overall bones and structure to it, but the websites will look completely different because I'm customizing each one to the individual. But again, it's all systems. It's all templates that help me do this very proficiently. And uh, it, it's almost like a production line whenever they, they come in. Um, but I, they still get that designer feel to the whole thing as opposed to somebody who just put a website together that didn't know what they were doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I think you you un, unintentionally went on something there that is one of the real benefits to niching down is that what you do when you solve a very specific problem for a very specific person is that you can work out what they need. So in this case, because they are podcasters, you know the type of website that they will need and the type of content that they would want to put on there and what what you can do you can work out the most effective way to present all of that information so i mean it's easy to imagine like if if if, if a podcaster doesn't have a website what do they want on their website that is so easy to work out and you can create a number of templates that you know as, as you said yeah. once you built it it's just a case of styling it adding in images 
but you can charge a decent amount of money to do that and and the client is probably getting a good deal still because you've created a very effective solution that's specific to them and i'm going to use this sentence again that you're solving one problem for one person i've i heard this mentioned at uh, an event i went to uh, last year and it was one of like my key takeaways from that event that if you think of solving one problem for one person you can write books you can write you can create uh, courses you can create products mm -hmm, solutions mm -hmm. businesses it's a fantastic mentality and this is exactly what you're doing here you understand exactly who needs this what they need and you provided a solution for them that you know that they need that's of value to them and that's why I feel that this is working so well. <laughs> and that's the power of having a niche. Like, you know, I chose to do podcast artwork and help podcasters. But think about it. If you're a designer and you design stuff for um, auto mechanics, you will know what an auto mechanic needs on their website. So if you specialize in that or, you know, dentistry or, um, I don't know, the, the construction industry, if you specialize in it, then the next time that a client contacts you because, hey, wow, you know, here's a here I can go to designer A or I could go to designer B who specializes in my field. Well, designer B, who is you, will know exactly what they want because a lot of times clients come to you and they have no idea what they want. They just know, especially when it comes to websites, they just know they want a website, but they have no idea what they want on the website. And if you're doing just general design for anybody, Yes, you can figure out the stuff and you can often help out a client on a, a web project, figure out exactly what they need and come up with ideas that they wouldn't have thought of. But when you're niching, that stuff just comes naturally. Oh, you're in this field? Well, you're going to need this, this and this on your website. And then all of a sudden they'll look at you and they'll go, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. That's why I'm willing to pay him possibly even more than a general designer because this guy gets me. And that's the whole power of niching. People, when they talk to me, they know I'm a podcaster. I understand where they're coming from. So they will trust me more than um, somebody who isn't. Uh, case in point, I just recently, uh, by fluke, I, I did a presentation. They had uh, PodFest Expo put on a, a virtual summit because of this whole COVID thing. Uh, they did a virtual summit and I was a speaker there and I talked about podcast websites. And after that, a bunch of people emailed me and said, Mark, do you offer consulting? Which is actually a service. It's not listed on the website. It wasn't something I, I had thought about. But I had five people reach out to me and say, do you offer consulting? So quickly, I started, I, I added a, an order page that's actually not on the site yet. If you check the site in the future, you'll see a consulting page there. But I got these consulting calls for people. And what's funny is these were people that had websites and they wanted to consult with me because whoever built their website was not a podcaster. And they wanted me to look over their website to make sure that it had everything a podcaster needed. And they did that because they looked at me and said, this guy is a designer. He's a specialist in podcasting. That's his niche. I trust him to know what he's doing. Even though they didn't know me, they'd never met me before my presentation. They trusted me because that's my niche. So they hired me to look over, review their website and give them pointers that they can then hand over to their designer and say, here, can you do these things? And that's the power of niching, just being viewed as the quote unquote expert, even though you know I'm not any better a designer than the next person who can design something. It's just the way the client views you when you're niching. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've heard people like Christo say this, that clients would choose the least risky option for them. Mm -hmm. So when they need their podcast graphics, they'll be looking at, I don't know, say five different graphic designers. If four of them are generalist and they've done, you know, they're a talented graphic designer, they can design and print, they can design logos, they can design identities you know you could you could have four people that are superb graphic designers that will probably create incredible work but you can have someone and they don't have to be the best graphic designer in the world but if they are uh, presenting themselves as the solution 
for podcasters in this case and showing them exactly what they expect you know they they want the podcast artwork they want an identity they want a website for that you're able to show exactly that and multiple variants of that and only that so when you compare all those people who are you going to pick it's just an absolute no-brainer even if they are the most expensive option because you know that they're going to get the job done right they are the least risky option. <laughs> yeah. Now, with, with that said, Ian, even niching, though, doesn't guarantee things because um, you still have to, as a designer, you still have to present yourself. You still have to look good. Yeah. You still have to prove yourself. Case in point, there's a, a popular uh, podcast hosting platform called uh, Buzz, uh, Buzzsprout. And Buzzsprout wrote an article on how to create great podcast cover artwork. And it's an, an amazing article. The person who wrote it really did good research and, and covered all the points on what makes good podcast cover artwork. And at the end of the article, he included, if you can't do this yourself, because the whole article was, you know, this is how you do stuff or, or what you should do. But he said, if you can't do it yourself, here are five people that you can hire to do your podcast artwork. And I was one of those five people. When I looked at the list, I am the most expensive person on that list. And yet I was getting, when that article published, within a week or two, my uh, orders just skyrocketed. And I asked everybody, how did you hear about podcast branding? And when they told me, oh, it was an article on Buzzsprout, I asked them whenever I got on the video chat, I says, why did you choose me out of curiosity? Because I happen to know that I'm the most expensive one. And all these services, none of them were general designers. Every one of them said they specialize in podcast artwork. So I said, why did you choose me being I'm the most expensive one? And they said, when I looked at everything, all the other websites, you seem the one that was the most professional. You seem the one that knew what you were talking about compared to the others. Even though every one of them talked about just podcast artwork, that's all they did. It's just I came across as the more professional option, and that's why they were willing to pay more to use me. So just being in a niche doesn't necessarily guarantee because those other four people are all in the same niche as I am. But as a designer, we have the ability to promote ourselves and make ourselves look good as we're selling our services. That's a really good point as well. And um <laughs> you've you've made it quite clear that even when you do choose a very specific uh, niche or niche uh, based on where you're from, that you will still have competitors. And it's important to, like you said, still present yourself in the right way and everything like that. But I, I mean, in general, regardless of that, I, I still think that niching down in comparison to uh, just being a generalist does result in in more success in certain instances it does plus as you you alluded to earlier you can charge more for it now in yeah. my case i'm selling it as a product and not a service so i'm not charging what most people in a niche would uh, again because i started this as a side gig just to pick up a little bit of extra but most people whenever you niche for uh, a in a particular area being viewed as the expert means you can charge more so if the normal person is charging two, three thousand dollars for a website, but you specialize in that industry. You can easily charge double that, five, six thousand dollars for a website, and the people won't hesitate to pay it because of your specialty. I just want to take a short break to thank the sponsor of this podcast, Webflow. Webflow gives designers the power of code in a visual interface, allowing you to directly build whatever you have in mind without the need for engineers. Webflow's whole thesis is that designers are used to learning complex visual software like Photoshop, Sketch, Figma, and so on, but none of those tools actually output production code. Webflow takes that next step by bringing the power of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript into a visual interface so we designers can build completely custom designs without worrying about writing code. Webflow's rich interactions and animations toolset allows you to bring your designs to life with advanced features like parallax scrolling, uh, mouse cursor-based animation triggers, 
custom keyframe and After Effects based animations too. To learn more about Webflow, head to wfl.io forward slash logogeek. And for the first 50 who use the promo code logogeek, you'll be able to get 10% off any new annual plan. So let's get back to the interview. I wouldn't mind going back to your way of ordering via your website. So mm-hmm. I don't work in this way. I have people come on my website, they make an inquiry, I have a telephone call with them, and then I can give them a, a rough time scale of when I'll be able to have the work in. If I'm too busy, I can give them a, an estimate of when I'll get back to them. But in some cases, it means turning away the uh, work. But because people are ordering via your website and there's no communication how do you handle it in the events like you know when you get uh, a nice article that happens to have your details on the bottom how do you handle it when say you get like a ridiculous amount of orders in one day how are you dealing with that (laughs) um a a little bit sleepless nights but no uh (laughs) really what happens is my process is they place the order. Um, once the order is placed, then they schedule a chat with me, uh, a video chat. So I have it automated that once they place their order, then they get put through to my my calendar app and they get to pick a time. Now, mm-hmm. my calendar app is set that um, in order to book a time, it's always two days Hence, so you can't book a time today or you can't book a time with me tomorrow. It has to be at least two days ahead of time. So right off the bat, they know that, oh, well, if I'm only booking the call two days from now, then it's not going to be a super big rush. And some people, when given that option, they'll say, well, two, you know, that day is not good for me. I'll book it three or four. And I've had people book like, oh, I place an order, but I'm only going to book it a week and a half from now. So that helps spread things out. And then it's uh, a lot of times uh, once I get on the call with them and the calls, these video chats usually last about 15 minutes. Once I talk to them, then we'll get an idea of when they're going to launch their podcast. And that's usually what the, the key is here. And if they say I'm getting ready to launch next week, sometimes I will tell them that, well, I won't have it ready for you by next week. And with a podcast launch, a lot of people, they have an idea in their head of when they want to launch. But unless there's some sort of special event going on, does it really matter if you launch on Monday or you launch on Friday? Um, Not really. So uh, in some cases, I will tell them that that's unrealistic, what you're you're expecting, and I can have it done for this certain time. Now, in in some cases, um, I do have uh, some contractors that can help me out. Uh, I am not an illustrator, so if somebody wants to do an illustrative style cover artwork, I will farm that out to an illustrator to do uh, most of the work. I'll usually put everything together uh, as a final piece. But So there's all sorts of little things in there that'll help me out. And, and as I said, some some of them is really simple. Somebody just wants, a, you know, I've got a good headshot of myself. I just want my my photo and the name of my podcast. And some of those you can do in like, 20 minutes and the artwork's done, especially if it's a good photo. So there's always ways to to make it work. But yeah, the whole ordering process. um, Now, there is a contact form if somebody wants to contact me before placing an order. And that happens uh, enough. People ask me questions and I'll gladly answer them and go back and forth. I've even on a, a few cases agreed to get on one of these video chats with them for 15 minutes before they place an order. Uh, most of them turn into an order if you have not, and, and that's fine. It's, it, you know, 15 minutes isn't a big waste of my time. Uh, I love talking to people about podcasting, so it's not a big deal. But for the most part, um, yeah, they place the order up front with, uh, without, I do explain a little bit in, on the website, how the whole process works, but even if they don't read that once, uh, they place the order, the immediate email they get will explain what uh, the whole process is going to be like. And I've never had anybody ask for a refund or say that this wouldn't work. Um, I have had people place orders for certain things because on the, the form, you there's a checkbox. You check off all the different things you want. I have had people order stuff. And then once we talked, I said, you don't really need that. And I'll refund them that part of the, the 
purchase, but it's never gotten to a point where I'm overwhelmed with anything because of the scheduling system that allows people to book their time as they see fit and then uh, then setting out a, a timetable afterwards. And I, I use a good system that, to, to keep track of all the jobs that I'm working on. So I know what has to be put out when and uh, what sort of timeframes and deadlines I have to, to meet. Mm-hmm. That's, it sounds very organized. And uh, I, I think, as we've already mentioned, because it's a very linear system and you know exactly what's coming in and what needs to be done and so on, you're able to create these internal uh, systems within your business so that you do know exactly when things need to be done and so on. So that's that all makes a lot of sense. And I think for whatever anyone does, if someone wanted to do something similar to this, they could replicate the um, system based on what, what you said then. Can I just ask about contractors? So you, you mentioned that um, it's not something that I've done much of. I've done it. I've done a little bit whenever I needed copywriting. But how are you going about bringing these people in? Because you've sold the project for, I, I guess, it could be seen as a relatively small amount of money. So when you do bring in a contractor, are you still able to make an income from that? Or would you mind sharing a little bit more about how that system works when you're working with contractors? Yeah, it, it, in most cases. Um... I do the stuff myself. Now, the times that I have a contractor is usually when it comes to illustrative work, in which case uh, there's times where I don't make any money. Um, it, it, but then again, I'm not really spending any time designing anything, so it's not that big a deal. So I will look, and depending on the style, like there, I, people like different styles of artwork. Like, you know, I had somebody that wanted their artwork done in... Uh, uh, like an anime or I, I uh, it's anime is the animated, what's the, I forget the print version of it, but they wanted that style of art. Uh, I had somebody else that wanted a more realistic style of art. So it's a matter of going out and finding illustrators. Uh, a lot of times it's uh, artwork of themselves. So they'll su- supply me a, a photo of themselves. And if they just want like say caricatures, uh, I, I get a lot of people that say, you know, I want, can I use the bitmoji? of myself on my artwork. And I'll tell them, no, you cannot. Bitmoji uh, specifically says in their, the terms of service that you cannot use them for that sort of thing. But I can get an illustrator to do something very similar. And it's just a matter of finding somebody that's able to do it. And I'll, if I have to pay an illustrator, uh, you know, 200, 250, even the full $300 in order to do uh, a good caricature of the person, um, then I'll do that. And to me, it's worth it because even if I don't make money on one particular cover artwork, that person is usually very, very happy. And then they will start spreading the word. And that's the whole thing about, uh, again, about niching is when you work in a particular industry, such as podcasting, whenever I have a satisfied client and then some other person is getting into podcasting, they say, oh, you know, I need cover artwork. That person's not going to re- recommend any other designer but me. And that's how word spreads. And that's how my business is growing. And mostly through word of mouth, like any design business, word of mouth is usually the the number one growth factor. So I'm willing to lose a little bit of money on one podcast cover artwork in order to get that goodwill from the person and hopefully a referral down the road. Now, with that said, it doesn't happen very often in all the artworks I've done. And I've created several hundred cover artworks for people, there's probably only three or four that I ended up doing where I didn't make at least a little bit of money on it. Um, most, most of them, as I said, a lot of artwork when it's just somebody's photo and the name of their podcast on it, uh, I could whip that up in less than 30 minutes. So if they're charging me $300 and I get it done in 30 minutes, I'm making good money on that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned in terms of getting clients, you've gotten them primarily through word of mouth and uh, pre-COVID you also mentioned about these events where you're wearing your uh, t-shirt with the podcast branding uh, on it. Uh, Have there been any other uh, methods that you've used to attract clients that are somewhat niche but specific? Um, 
one of the biggest things I've done is I, I keep track of like, I've got a, a Google search um, or Google alert, I should say, set up for the term podcast artwork. So anytime that I, I get that, that says like somebody po- published an article on podcast artwork, I will reach out to the author. And usually the Google alert will tell me that same day or the following day. So I'll reach out to the author if I can track them down and say, hey, can you add podcast branding to your article? And uh, I'll, I'll, I won't just say that. I mean, I go into a little bit of detail of, you know, I talk about their article and uh, I customize it. So I don't have like uh, the, these forms. Anybody who has a website, uh, I'm sure you've gotten these um, canned emails before where yes. it looks. Anyway. Yes. So I get them all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, I, I get them every day. But I will reach out to somebody and say, listen, I really like this article. I like the point you made here. Um, you know, sometimes I'll even tell them that, you know, uh, that I thought this point was funny, but I don't necessarily agree with it. And then I'll ask them, I say, you mentioned that, you know, you can hire people. Can you list podcast branding as one of the people you hire? And it's amazing how many people have agreed. They've gone back and edited their article to add podcast branding because in most cases, the people who write these articles don't really know of anybody. Like they'll often mention Fiverr or 99designs. But I'll, they'll gladly add somebody who specializes in it. So that's been a huge help. Just uh, not only does it create a backlink to my website, which is great for uh, Google search, but uh, it just people that come across the articles of clicking through. So I'm getting a lot of traffic. If I look at my analytics, I'm getting a lot of traffic from backlinks from these places that I've reached out to. Uh, social media is helping a lot. Uh, I've put out, whenever I create a new podcast artwork, I put it out to uh, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, uh, and Twitter. And a, it, so I've gotten some traction where people have said, you know, place an order and say, oh, I found you on LinkedIn or I found you on Instagram. And uh, But I, I found in those platforms, just posting the cover artwork is not enough. I have to give like a, a very, very short case study on the artwork, which a lot of people appreciate. And also just connecting with podcasters. And that's the great thing about having a niche is I know exactly who to connect with. If I was a general graphic designer, which I am for my other business, it's pretty hard to connect with your clients because your clients could be anybody. Well, with podcast branding, I know that I have to go where the podcasters are, which means on Facebook, there are several communities dedicated to podcasters. I make sure I'm in there. And anytime somebody mentions a, a website or podcast artwork, I will make sure to comment and uh, or make sure to offer my services. And that th- doesn't always amount to anything. I mean, actually, in most cases, it doesn't uh, amount to much except for getting my name out there. People will see my name over and over and over. And all of a sudden, the next time they need something, they need podcast artwork, my name might pop into their head. Um, so I do a lot of that. I'm just just starting with uh, online advertising to, to grow the business. So Facebook ads, Instagram ads, um, and Google ads. I'm, I'm about to get that launched. So hopefully that'll help out. But generally, uh, a lot of word of mouth. Once you've designed for hundreds of people, it's the word of mouth starts to really kick in. Yeah, so that's pretty well it for sponsors. And, and as you said, talking. I've talked at a few virtual summits, um, in-person summits, and that's just helping to, to build my name. When somebody sees that you're up on stage presenting, again, the whole quote-unquote expert thing, if you're on a stage, you must know what you're talking about when it comes to this particular topic. So when it comes to podcast branding and they see me up on a stage or in a virtual presentation at some summit or, or whatever, and uh, it automatically creates that impression in their mind that if they need somebody or if somebody they knows needs somebody, well, this Mark guy must know what he's talking about. So I'll pass his name along. So all of that is just organic and just being out there. Uh, the website, uh, the website's only just a little bit over a year old and I'm already ranking uh, just because, uh, because of the way I built it, ranking for a lot of keywords. Uh, as you mentioned, I have the advice section, which is basically just a blog. There's not a whole lot on there, but even those articles are ranking for stuff just because of the way I structured them. So all of it put together, each one of them contributes a little bit. But when you look at all the effort, it's bringing in some pretty good traffic and I'm getting a steady flow of clients coming in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think 
that in itself is another good reason why I got you on this particular podcast because it's a it's a nice example of how when you do choose to target a very specific audience you know exactly what to do to get clients from that so you are going exactly where they will be you're providing information that will help those people so when they're searching for answers to certain things you provided that answer on your website you're in the right groups you know any time invested in marketing and promotion for your business is very targeted right away so if if you are just starting out you know you're quite early on in your journey if say you was just a generic graphic designer you don't really know where you will start because there are potential customers literally everywhere yeah and you're shooting in the in the dark a little bit when it comes around to promoting your services but with all the examples that you gave then they're all hyper focused and I, I actually think this is probably one of the best examples of niche and down that I've I've come across because this is actually really quite easy to work out exactly what you need to do in order to have um, success from it. Yeah, if, if, like I've got, as I mentioned, two design businesses, Marksman Design and Podcast Branding. And Marksman Design, if I'm going to post on social media, I have no idea what to post because anybody can be my client. So generally what most designers end up posting is stuff about design. And uh, a lot of stuff, if you're trying to post to clients, I find most designers, when they post to social media, they're posting to attract other designers as opposed to other clients. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really help. They don't get a lot of traction. Well, with podcast branding, I, I got a wealth of information that I can put out there to the point where it's, I don't want to flood my social media with information because uh, I, I got to hold on to it and, and, you know, kind of put it out there gradually over time. But I could easily, like right now, if you were to say you have to post something on social media in 10 minutes, I could easily come up with many, many different options that I can do that would help to attract podcasters. Where with the general design business, that's a little bit tougher to do to, because again, you don't know who you're targeting. Are you targeting a mom and pop shop doing this? Are you targeting a uh, big corporation? Are you targeting a government entity? Uh, every social media post would have to be geared differently where when you're niching, you know that whether that person is a mom and pop, a big corporation or a government, that niche part of it, in my case, podcasting, ties them all together. So I can send out a message that will be equally valuable to any of them. And that's uh, helps when you're niching down. So whether you're in the podcast space or whatever you decide to niche on, it is so much easier to get the word out and your traction, especially on things like social media. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now we've got about 10 minutes left of this interview and I think it would be a shame not to talk about your resourceful designer podcast that's how I primarily uh, know you how we eventually got connected properly um, so through that podcast you've been releasing an episode uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong but it looks like you've released an episode every single week since September the 30th 2015 I, I had a look back to see how long you've been doing it for and it's uh you're coming up to five years <laughs> yeah my fifth anniversary comes up in uh, just a couple of weeks now no I I did uh I usually put out yes it's every Monday I have an episode come out but I usually do about 49 to 50 episodes per year um mm -hmm. so like last year I think I took Christmas off um this year there was some holidays uh just a couple of months ago, we decided to go on holidays and I was going to prepare some episodes to put out while I was on holidays. And just, you know, when you're working for yourself from home, uh, clients, when they find out you're going on holidays, all of a sudden they need stuff real quick. Yeah. So I didn't have the time and I thought, you know, I could record something quick, uh, but it wouldn't be really good. And I, I said, you know, that's just doing a disservice to my audience. I'm better off taking a week off, not publishing anything that week and uh, coming back the next week with something that's valuable to them. So yeah, I've been doing it for five years, but I, I have missed a few weeks here and there. 
Well, I mean, I can try and time this episode so it almost comes out on your fifth anniversary. So uh, <laughs> happy birthday to the Resourceful Designer Podcast. Yeah. That's, that's awesome news. Congratulations. Yeah. And I love it. I, I mean, I've been going for five years. Just It's a passion. I love doing that podcast. So there's some days that I, I do that during my work day. So that's uh, it started off as a hobby, but it's actually part of my business, even though it doesn't do anything for my business. It's just a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. And uh, so some days where I'm looking, it's like, I got client work, but I have to do the podcast and it never fails. It's like, you know what, this client work, the deadline's not today. I can do the podcast. So (laughs) um, it's just a passion. I've been doing it. I, I love helping other designers, especially those who are in a similar situation. The, the whole point of the podcast is to help people run their business. I don't talk about graphic design or web design, or I don't talk very much about it. I talk all about the business side, uh, specifically uh, geared towards running a home-based business because I've been doing it for 15 years now. I've learned a lot. Um, plus, I have my experience. Uh, I worked for 15 years uh, working for a commercial printer before that in their design department. So I have 30 years experience to share with people. And, you know, sometimes um, it's just a a new perspective. People like to learn. Uh, I might not be the best person at running a business. I might not be the best graphic designer. Uh, My advice might not always be the the best or might not always uh, be pertinent to everybody listening. But it gives people an option if they want to learn what it takes. And uh, I'm not afraid to share my failures, which is one of the things people love about the podcast. I've been told that, um, that whenever something goes wrong, I share that too, because it's a learning experience. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so it's a resourceful designer is a passion of mine. And I, I'm whatever, 230 some episodes out now. And uh, I've got no intention of stopping anytime soon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, like you said, you, you share your advice through it and, uh, even though based on what you said that sometimes you feel it might not be the best I've always found it very relatable realistic actionable and I, I can't think of a specific exa- example but I know that there have been a number of times where um, that advice has helped me in in some way so I think sharing your um, your approach and, and your journey and your experience it's it's bound to help somebody out there and um i think it's good that you've been sharing that for so long so if there's any listeners that haven't already listened to your show uh they do need to go and check it out i i know it's uh, and you can correct me if i'm wrong but it's primarily a solo show so it's primarily you talking through a specific topic but from time to time you do get uh like a special guest on to talk about a very specific um, topic. Yeah, exactly. I've done, uh, as I said, right now I'm up to 230, I believe is the one I just released. And out of 230 episodes, I think I've had six guests on the show. Uh, and each time it was because I decided there was a topic I wanted to talk about that I didn't consider myself the expert in. Um, we mentioned Craig Burton and on earlier, he was on because I wanted to do an episode on niching. And even though I do as you're you're having me on here to talk about niching (laughs) i was that was at the point where podcast branding was still fairly new and i didn't feel comfortable talking about it because i was too new at it so i wanted to talk to somebody who had been doing it for many years so i had craig on the show to talk about his school branding matters uh and the whole power of niching um so yeah i've often uh you know i've had you've had tom ross on the show i've had tom ross talk uh, on the show because i wanted to specifically ask questions about designing for these marketplaces, which is something I've never done before, but I thought my listeners might be interested in this. So I'm not going to talk about it since I've never actually done it. So I had Tom Ross on, who's the owner of Design Cuts. Uh, he, he came on the show just to talk about that whole aspect of designing for creative markets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I would say both Craig and Tom are individuals within the industry that are being very open and very helpful for so many people so if you don't already know of tom uh craig in particular craig doesn't necessarily get out there as much as tom possibly does tom's on lots of podcasts and so on but within the logo geek community craig is the only moderator on on the group based in new zealand and he always offers such amazing advice to people and uh he's very genuine 
and and helpful and and generous with his time so um craig if you're listening thank you for doing that i think you're inspiring a lot of people from afar through your approach to helping and supporting people well, I can tell you, Craig was one of the inspiration for me to start podcast branding, to actually create a business out of it, as opposed to just continuing the way I had been doing, uh, just being Mark DeCotes, a graphic designer who can design podcast artwork. Um, it, Craig, you know, I looked at Craig and what he was doing with his school branding, and uh, he was one of the reasons why I decided that, you know, why don't I create an actual branded niche to, to mm-hmm. do this? And I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this episode will inspire someone else to um, focus on a, a niche. Because like I said, it's a topic that's spoken about so much, but it's actually sometimes hard to imagine what you could potentially do. And I think both uh, yourself through podcast branding and Craig with, uh, I think it's School Branding Matters. Correct. They're, they're both superb examples of how you can focus on it on a niche and, and become quite successful and and the interesting thing is both examples are really quite different mm-hmm. uh, but it's two very good um, examples for how I feel it, it can be done uh, very very well yeah, so just one more point I want to make Ian one of the big things I hear especially through my podcast because I've done several episodes talking about niching and one of the big things that I hear back is, but if I niche, I'm going to lose all these other clients. Well, whenever you niche, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give up everything else. I've already mentioned, I have podcast branding, which is my niche, but I still run Marksman Design. On uh, It's too, like podcast branding is actually a division of Marksman Design. So I still have my, my general, if you want to call it that, graphic design business. So just because we say that you should be niching down doesn't mean you have to give up everything else because that's one of the fears or one of the the uh the pushbacks i get anytime i talk about niching with that people will say but you know i've got all these other clients i don't want to give them up or i'm going to be limiting myself if i niche no that doesn't have to be the case you can niche along with whatever you're doing normally it just means that to those people in that industry or sector or whatever you will be viewed as an expert when it comes to them. And then for everybody else, you're just a regular graphic, general graphic designer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I feel we stressed throughout this that your messaging can be hyper-focused, your process, system, products, marketing approach, everything can be so hyper-focused that if you are starting out, it's just so much easier to have success it is. than it is just trying to target everybody while speak to nobody. <laughs> yeah, it is. You, you, it's so, as you said, it's so focused. Uh, mm-hmm. Podcast branding has only been around for just, as I said, just a little bit over a year. And already um, I could probably make a living if I wasn't doing Marksman Design. I could make a living just off podcast branding. And there's not a lot of general designers out there that start a business from scratch and within a year can say that, you know, they can earn a good Mm -hmm. living off of it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's a really good point to wrap up this interview. So, Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I've been listening to your podcast for years whilst walking to work. So it's very odd speaking to a voice I'm so familiar with, even though, you know, we've we've had conversations separately, but it's still, uh, it's a little bit like listening to a live interactive version. So, um, it's been really good to have you on. Thank you for sharing so much advice and wisdom. And uh, hopefully the audience will have got some inspiration from this episode. So thank you. Thank you, Ian, for having me on. If you enjoyed this interview, let both myself and Mark know by giving us a shout out on social media. I always love hearing from listeners and I know that Mark will appreciate that too. So if you've enjoyed this, please let us both know. And if you want to learn more about Mark DeCotes, make sure to head to his websites, uh, podcastbranding.co and also resourcefuldesigner.com. Alternatively, check out the show notes for this episode where I'll link to those sites, all of Mark's social profiles, links to any books or resources that we mentioned in the interview, as well as a full transcription too. 
So to find the show notes for this episode, head to logageek.uk forward slash 97. And if you're keen to discuss anything mentioned in this interview with me, Mark, and almost 10,000 logo designers from around the world, make sure that you're part of the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's totally free to join. And because it's very active, you'll get your questions answered, the feedback that you want, and the support that you need to grow and develop as a designer. So to find it, just head to logogeek.uk forward slash community or just do a search on facebook for logo geek and hopefully you will find it that way so that is it for this week but i'll see you the same time next week for another exciting episode of the logo geek podcast